You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation. It's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Curtis. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler, and for the first time all season on our game preview episodes, I am joined by my longtime co-host, Curtis. And look, those of you who have been with us from the very beginning, going back, what, seven years ago, I think now, you know that back in the day, Curtis used to record every episode with me. Those of you who are new to the show, you might not realize that, but that used to be how we, we did everything. But obviously, Kurt's in law school now, and that's changed his schedule. It's changed things a little bit. We just haven't been able to make it work with our different schedules and trying to get out four episodes a week to you guys. It's just really a tight window to get these things recorded and then produced and then out to you guys. But with a game of this magnitude, we had to, man. We had to bring the big guns out. So to do that, what we did is we just recorded this episode earlier in the week. And here I am. It's been a whirlwind couple of days, actually 24 hours for me, because I'm recording my third episode of the podcast for you guys this week in the last 24 hours. But no big deal, no big deal. I had some time over Thanksgiving week to sit down, watch all the Bama games, break down the tape, prepare, and I am 100% ready to roll. And we are gonna break down the SEC Championship matchup with Bama from every single angle, all Glory UGA podcast style for you here in just a minute. But first, I do wanna remind you guys about our good friends at Alumni Hall. You just missed out on the Black Friday and Cyber Monday deals. I hope that you took advantage of those. I really do. But if you missed them, no big deal. They always have a ton of sales. I'll let you guys know next time they do. They have these flash sales all the time. I'll put those those promos out here for you guys. But if you want them directly to your email, all you got to do is just to go sign up for their email blast on the website, alumnihall.com. They'll send you all those promotions, all those flash sales directly to your email inbox. And you'll know exactly when they're going on because they always have some good ones, guys. And the bottom line is there's no better place to find your Georgia gear and accessories in Alumni Hall. And I, and I truly mean that, guys. I, I've told you many times, I'm a connoisseur of Georgia gear. I cannot walk into Alumni Hall without buying something because I always see something new that I like that I haven't seen before. I'm like, oh, yeah, man, I got to have that. Just got to. And I know you guys are a lot like me. So if you're looking to buy yourself a little something to get ready for the SEC Championship game and hopefully, hopefully, knock on wood, a playoff run, Alumni Hall is your best bet. If you're still looking to buy some Christmas gifts, Alumni Hall is also your best bet. So make sure to stop in today inside the Epps Bridge Shopping Center here in the Classic City or online at alumnihall.com. 
gmail.com. And next time you make your trip to Athens, I know I keep saying it, but I just want to help you guys out. The best place to stay, hands down, is the Normal Town Cottage on Airbnb. It simply can't be beat. It's in the most beautiful neighborhood in Athens, free, tree-lined parking, safe, secure, convenient, awesome host to take care of all your needs. It truly gives you all the comforts of home in a way a hotel never could. Great bars, great restaurants, just a short walk away, downtown, just down the road. It really is a no-brainer, so next time you make your plans to come back to the classic city for whatever reason it is make sure to book your stay at the normal town cottage on airbnb you can find them on instagram just just search for normal town cottage you can also click the link that is pinned to our twitter profile which is at glory underscore uga all right curtis we've got a ton to talk about today so let's get to it and i want to start here Earlier in the week, or I don't know if you've heard me say this, maybe you have, I'm not sure, but earlier in the week, I made the statement that this is going to be the toughest game from a matchup perspective that we will play all season, including any potential playoff matchups. Do you agree or disagree with that assessment? I think I'll have to agree, and like the biggest reason is is just look at recruiting rankings. Uh, Bama has consistently been the one, if it's not us, it's been Bama on top, especially in the recruiting rankings. So we've been battling them year in, year out for these top recruits. So the fact is that they have one of the deepest rosters. Um, and just at its, across the board, it's not just in one position. So they're very talented roster, which in deep usually for the most part. And so I think that's why they're going to be our toughest matchup is they're one of the few teams that's almost on par with us for talent-wise. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the 247 composite talent, not like the recruiting rankings where they end up, like the classes, but look at like the 1 through 85, 247 Sports does this every year where they do the, the team composite rating. And George Alabama have gone back and forth being number one, number two for the past couple of years. So I think you're certainly correct there. And I think even deeper than that, from a matchup perspective, I mean, think, Curtis, think about the teams, the kind of teams that would give us the toughest matchup based off of how our roster is built. To me, it's a team with a prolific, dynamic passing attack that's best equipped to challenge us because, like what I said earlier this week, is our secondary and coverage, I don't think that's a weakness. I think that's overstated. I don't like that word. But I think it's fair to say that's the weaker part of our defense, relatively speaking, when you compare that to our front seven and our insane ability to stop the run. So to me, with that in mind, whoever can challenge us most through the air and still play very good defense would pose the biggest threat to us. And I happen to think that team is Alabama. Because, Kurt, look at the, the potential contenders in the playoff, right? The teams that might make this Final Four. Michigan, Oklahoma State, Cincinnati, Notre Dame. Do any of those teams scare you more through the air than Alabama does? No, not at all. Absolutely. So that's my point here. So I, I'm not saying Alabama is the second best team or the best team in the country. That's not what I'm saying. I, I think they might well end up being the second best team in the country. But from a matchup perspective – I do think this is going to be the toughest game that we'll play, that we've played at this point, and that we will end up playing just from that matchup standpoint. But I want to get that out of the way. I just want to get you on record there, Curtis. But I think we both agree there that this is going to be the toughest matchup we're going to have. So let's dive into the actual matchup, if it is that tough. Let's take a look at all the different parts of this. And when looking at this game between the Dogs and the Tide, the money matchup is the top 10 Alabama offense with its top 10 passing offense going up against the number one ranked Georgia defense with its second ranked passing defense. This is obviously Curtis, the matchups in all the conversation. It's the most anticipated matchup in this game. This is what people are talking about. So, so Kurt, when you look at this, 
this Bama offense and its numbers, seventh nationally in total offense, seventh nationally in passing offense, fifth nationally in scoring offense. This is still maybe not quite the level of, of offensive production they, they'd seen the past couple of years, but still it's an elite offense. So what is it that makes this Alabama offense so prolific, Kurt? Um, realistically, the playmakers, uh, starting with Bryce Young, the guy is very elusive and he has great pocket presence and he knows how to extend plays um, back there and just wait for his, you know, explosive playmakers, especially on the outside to get open. Um, you can't start talking about their explosive playmakers without talking about Jameson Williams. Um, he's the one guy similar to what they've had in the past that he could take any route. It doesn't matter if it's 10 yards down the field or way down the field. He's he's bound to go. T- he can take any ball to the house no matter where it is. Is on the field with just his speed and the, the way he can take the top off. Um, and even John Mechie, he's not the most explosive, but the guy makes a lot of big plays too. So it's just the fact of their explosiveness on offense. Yeah, you're exactly right, man. So philosophically, I 1,000% agree with you here. If you look at this Alabama offense, not even just this year, but going back the past couple of years since Nick Saban's really kind of made this change, this more up-tempo, spread-based passing attack, what they're trying to do is create explosive plays on offense. You're 100% right there. Everything they do on offense is built around setting things up to create those opportunities. Now, how do they do that? How do they create those opportunities? Well, really... RPOs are the foundation of this Alabama offense. They really want to create big play opportunities by using RPOs. This started really with Kiffin. Sark took it to another level the past couple of years. Then O'Brien still largely incorporating most of the same principles with his own little twist on it. But RPOs are the foundation. Make no mistake about it. RPOs are the foundation of what they do offensively, and they build layers off of that. If their RPOs aren't working, nothing else is going to work. So I think defensively, we'll get to this more later on, I think we have to try to take those away. But the thing about Bama is they, they can hurt you in so many ways. They can hurt you with the RPOs. They can hurt you with those vertical shots. They're also willing to run it on you. If you sit back in a two-high safety look, they will run the football on you and try to force you out of that two-high shell because they want to create explosive play opportunities. Explosive plays happen when you don't have the safety help over the top more often than not. So if you sit back, they know that those opportunities to hit big plays are going to be limited if the defense is allowed to just sit back there in this conservative too high shell. So to get you out of that, yeah, they're going to run the ball and they'll pound you until they get you out of that shell. Now they're not as good at that this year. Brian Robinson, we'll talk more about him in a, in a minute here. He's a really good back. He's not a, an elite dynamic back the, the, in the vein of like a Najee Harris. He's not that kind of guy. Uh, another thing that this Alabama offense looks at, they understand it's really, it, this offense is built really well. They know that the best way to take away RPOs is tight man coverage. If you play zone, those zone defenders are much easier to target as read defenders. So it's really hard, especially to play cover three against a team that runs RPOs as consistently and as heavily as Alabama does. And and that's really what they want. What they want to do is to get you in that man coverage. And that's one of the reasons they run so many RPOs is to get you into those looks. Because when they get you into those looks and they run the ball enough, they get you in those single high man coverage looks. And when they get you there, that's when they go for the kill shots off of rub routes, vertical shots. They go with their play action game. One concept they really love is, is spear. If you guys are watching this game and you're watching the routes develop, what spear is, it's two vertical routes to one side. It could be two go routes, it could be two post routes. And then you have a single wide receiver on the opposite side running a deep over route. They call that the spear route. They've made a lot of big plays over the years running that route. I mean, Sark used that to perfection the past couple of years. And then, of course, they can still explosive plays off RPOs if you don't close separation, if you don't tackle in space. I mean, Curtis, how many times – I mean, you've lost count, right? How many times have you seen those, like, four-step glance routes, those little slant routes, they break a tackle, boom, they're off the races? How many times have we seen that? 
so many times. I mean, it feels like that's half their offense. Exactly. Right? They, 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 they gash you with that. They kill you with that. And then once they get you to play that tight press man coverage, try to take that away, that's when they hit you over the top. That's how this offense is set up. That's how it's built. It's built exceptionally well. And that's what makes it so tough because they can hurt you in all those different ways. They can hurt you with the ground game. They can hurt you with the RPOs. They can hurt you with the, the play action, vertical shots down the field. And they, as you mentioned, they have all these playmakers. That's what makes this offense so tough. It's scheme extraordinarily well, and you match it up with it, with elite talent across the board. You are a really, really tough offense to stop. But, Kurt, let's dive a little bit deeper into this Bama offense. There's a lot of concerns here. I think there's a lot of ways that they can hurt you. But if you're looking at the Bama offense, Curse, what is – your biggest concern in trying to defend them? Um, especially going into this week, you can't give up the big plays. It's as simple as that. You saw Auburn. Um, for the most part, that's really how they controlled it is they didn't give up the big plays and they tackled them in space. Like you were talking about the missed tackles and making it into huge plays. They, you, you have to tackle well in space and not give up the big play. Honestly, that's like the biggest, one of the biggest ways right away off the bat of how to stop Bama. Yeah, you're right. And it sounds so simple, right? But and, and, and tackling is always important, obviously. I mean, we know that. But in a game like this, the way they structure their offense, especially these, these glance routes, these RPOs they like to run, and they like to get these guys in space one-on-one, tackling just takes on an extra added premium in a game like this. But, Kurt, you're stealing straight from my notes here, man. So my notes, I have the first thing here, my biggest concern in defending their offense is, is big plays. And, and that's because that's what they want to do. That's how they hurt you. That's how they pull away from you. Now, they're still really explosive, you know, compared to the rest of the country. But they're not as explosive as they are la- as they were last year. If you I think if you watch them play this year, you you get that, and then you look at the numbers, it kind of backs it up. They had, I mean, so they played 13 games last year. So right now they've only played 12. So there's that. They played an extra game. But to this point, based off the numbers from last year, they had 72 pass plays of 20 more yards last year versus 65 this year. 33 uh 30 plus yards, 23 this year, um, 18 uh 40 plus last year, only 12 of 40 plus this year. So they're still really explosive just not as explosive in the passing game. But they're still top 25 in those categories. Um, and I think here's the other thing, Curtis. And we'll talk more about Brian Robinson here just actually with our next question. But with Brian Robinson potentially out of this game, don't you think that hitting big plays becomes even more important for this Alabama offense because they might not be able to grind it out with without Brian Robinson there? That's exactly why I said the key is – not giving up the big plays because right now you just don't see them right now. I don't see them grinding out a long drive because I think you can force them into errors. If you take away the run game at all for them and try, almost make them one dimensional outside of um quarterback keeps in the occasional run. Yeah. I mean, has Trey Sanders, I mean, maybe he can show that ability. Has he shown that ability to this point in his career that he can do that? No, he hasn't, at least not more than just uh, in space, you know, back up. The guy's got like 50. Even when he came in against, even when he came in against Auburn, he wasn't doing much. Exactly. And that Auburn defense front, they're solid. They ain't Georgia's defensive front. I mean, call me arrogant if you want. That's just the truth, man. Those are just facts. And that offensive line, we haven't talked about that yet. We'll get to that more. But with Brian Robinson potentially out of this game, their top run, but really their only remaining running back that's got any sort of like carries on the year because other guys, Jason McClellan's out. Uh, Roydell Williams is out for the year. And it's really Brian Robinson, Trey Sanders, and it might just be Trey Sanders. And if you factor that in along with the fact that their offensive line has not been an Alabama caliber offensive line, we saw them get exposed last week 
against Auburn. We all saw that. It was there for everyone to see. You have to think they're probably going to try to rely more on explosive plays in this game to, to try to stay in it. I mean, I think they have to. I just don't think their run game is going to be there if Brian Robinson is out of this game. We'll see. But right now, I mean, Curry pulled his hamstring, right? And hamstrings just mm-hmm. don't heal in one week. They just simply don't. Now, he might try to give it a go, but he will not be close to 100% if he tries to go. It just simply won't. Another thing I throw out, I throw out here, Curtis, limiting big – it kind of goes along with limiting big plays, containing pressure in the pocket. How important is that? I think that's the biggest thing because half the time that's where they get the explosive plays from is just his you know elusiveness and evasiveness in the pocket. Yeah, they, they don't. They just like he's a guy that's very athletic for his size, but he's also slight uh, of stature, right? Kind of like Stetson, and they just simply don't call designed runs for him. They they just don't. But he can still hurt you with his legs because he is very athletic. He is quick twitch. He has that looseness, that slipperiness, uh, kind of like Bo Nix in a way. I, I, at least in that regard, I kind of compare it to Bo Nix and his ability to kind of escape the pocket and just make life tough on people chasing around back there in the pocket. And he keeps he does a great job of keeping his eyes downfield when he does escape the pocket. And that's when everything breaks down. When it's basically a scramble drill and it's like backyard football out there, that's where I agree with you. I think that's where he's most dangerous because everything breaks down defensively. You you have the perfect play call on, he saves the pocket, and now it's just backyard football. Everything goes to hell. It's all Everything's broken down, and he can just make a play because he's that good. So I think containing him in the pocket, having a plan for that, is also something that that we've got to have. It's certainly a concern of mine because that's what he's done. That's one of the ways he's really devastated opposing defenses all year long. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. All right, Curtis, we talked a little bit there about Brian Robinson. But let's go a little more in depth here. It, it certainly looks like he is questionable at best heading into the game this weekend. If he cannot go for Alabama, and, and look, it's a big game. I'm sure he'll try his best to get to give it a go. I just have a hard time thinking it's going to be 100% if it truly is a hamstring injury like you're hearing in the reports out there. Those things just don't heal in one week. There's no magic bullet for it. So if he cannot go this weekend, Curtis, for argument's sake, how big of a loss is that for Alabama in this game? I think it's a huge loss, not just from what he brings in the run game, but also in the passing game. Because if you've watched the, many of their games this year, that's one thing that it feels like Gary Danielson always talks about is how Brian Robinson has made it more of a point of emphasis to improve his, his pass blocking. 
Um, so you lose your Bingo. your horse in your running back, almost like they're Zeus, but even more important because they don't have as many guys um, who they could easily could take 30 carries a game, get you some tough yards, especially at the goal line and things like that. Because you got to think about when you're at the goal line, how the field shrinks, you need a power back. Um, so you lose everything he brings you in the passing game or in the running game, but then also in the passing game, because the fact is not having him out there to block is a big thing, especially when you're facing a team like us who can bring the pressure. I think that's the biggest loss for them if Brian Robinson cannot go. Yes, the, of course, like you said, they're going to miss his yards and he picks up on the ground, of course. But the pass protection component of this, I think, is the biggest issue, especially because, Curtis, you got to factor in. Let's bring in the offensive line here. We all saw that game. You saw it. And if you've been watching Alabama all year, that's nothing new. I mean, you, this has been something that's been an issue for them all year, but it just was kind of front and center for the entire nation to see in the Iron Bowl. So when you factor in the issues their offensive line has had, especially lately, especially on the right side of that offensive line. This just takes on so much importance for them. When you already have kind of a, a weakness there in, in protecting the passer, I think they're actually, they give up the third most sacks in the SEC right now. And you're also going to go with a running back who has like 50, he's got like 50 carries in the year for 221 yards. That's what he has. Trey Sanders, that's your guy. He just simply doesn't have the reps. He's still really young. And we know young running backs typically struggle with pass protection. And you're going to try to put him out there with a with a weak, especially weak right side of that offensive line against our pass rush, second in the, second in the SEC in sacks. You think that's a recipe for success for them? That is a major problem for them. And I totally agree with you. That is the biggest loss for them here. Yes, they're going to lose. They're going to miss him in the run game, but pass protection is a big issue for them as well as just receiving. Brian Robinson has 30 catches guys. He has 30 catches this year out of the backfield. I mean, he he's done some good things for them. He's really kind of improved in that regard as well. He wasn't really that kind of player his first couple of years, but he's become more of a threat just as a receiver out of the backfield as well. So it's tough, man. And there's just no depth there because again, Jace McClellan, Roy Dell Williams, those were the number two and number three backs. They are out for the year. If Robinson can't go, they're down their four-string running back, and there's basically no one behind him. There's zero depth there. So if he's screwing up and he's missing he's missing blocks and pass protection, they don't have other options. You just have to go with empty and, and just try to sling the ball around, just do different things, have a scheme around it. So I do think if Brian Robinson cannot go, I don't think it'd be overstated how big of a loss that is for Alabama, especially when you know we're going to try to back there like we have all year with our two high safeties. And as I said earlier, they like to pound you into submission and force you out of those looks. Without Brian Robinson, I just don't know if they're going to be able to do that and create those opportunities to hit big plays, which they kind of made a living off of. So I think that's a massive, massive loss for them. All right, Curtis, uh, let's move on here. Look at this Bama offense. We're kind of deep in the breakdown here. We've, kind of talked, we've touched on this a little bit. What are the keys to limiting the Bama offense? I know that we obviously, you and I are concerned about the big plays, but what do you have to do to limit them? Um, realistically, it's going to come down to how well do we tackle? Because we are talking about with the loss of Brian Robinson, and I think the, the biggest thing about that loss is what it's going to for, how are they going to adjust? And you're talking about with the running backs and already the O-line's been blocking for. So what does that mean? Well, it probably means that they're going to be trying to get the ball out of Bryce Young's hands a lot quicker than normal um, to try to go against our what our strength is, especially in, um, blitzing and creating pressure and havoc back there. And so that means if they're getting the ball out of their hands quicker, it's not going to be as big of deep passes or downfield passes as much as it is intermediate routes. And that's why tackling is honestly going to be the most important thing because it's we're going to have to keep everything in front of us. And I think I love that it, that's how we're going to 
stop them. I totally agree. I love that. I love that. And yeah, you're right. Talking about explosive plays like core. Again, they want to create explosive plays. That's what they want to do. So how do you stop them from doing that? Well, you need to make life very uncomfortable uncomfortable for Bryce Young in the pocket. You're right, Curtis. They are going to try to counter that with, with screen game, probably lean a little bit more heavily on the RPO game. Get the ball out of his hands and don't sit back there for you know a five count and let our pass rushers get to him. But we're still going to have to try to pressure him. I think it's really important to be able to do that with four, the four-man rush. We'll get to that here in a little bit. And look, just we can't give up explosive plays. It's as simple as that. If we don't give explosive plays, Alabama cannot win this game. It's that simple. Unless we just give it away with crazy like Nebraska X turnovers. If they don't have explosive plays, they are not going to win this football game. So how do you try to create a situation where you're not giving, giving up explosive plays? Well, it just so happens that the best way to do that is to limit their run game with a light box, with even numbers. So you can keep that too high safety looking, kind of have safety help over the top and kind of limit those one-on-one opportunities where your cornerbacks are operating on islands out there. And like, I don't think the receivers are like the level of Jerry Judy or Henry Ruggs or Devontae Smith or Jalen Waddle, any of those guys. But Jameis Williams is, is a number one receiver. He's a really good player. John Metchie's a really good player. I don't think as good as the other guys in, in the past, but they're still really good. So you don't want to put your cornerbacks out there on an island. You want to have those safeties back there to be able to kind of bracket some of those guys and limit those big play opportunities. And this is where, again, it comes back. If if Trey Sanders is your running back, 50 carries on the year, 221 yards, no Brian Robinson, have issues on the offensive line, we're as good as we are stopping the run. I think we are going to be able to limit the run game with a light box, with even numbers, and it's really important. I think we're going to be able to do it. And I think that's going to allow us to kind of limit those explosive plays. But I think that's the key here in trying to limit this Bama offense. But all right, Curtis, let's bring all of this full circle here, my man. Let's put on your UGA polo, put on those khakis, and I want you to channel your inner Dan Lanning. What is your game plan to do all of that? All right, if you want to limit big plays, well, you want to stop the run, how do you go about specifically doing that? I think it's going to be very similar to what you saw against Tennessee. Um, I feel like that's the type of game plan you want, especially because you're talking about getting the ball out of your hands, quick screen passes, kind of like what Tennessee was trying to do to counter our blitz. And I feel like that's what you're going to see a lot of from Bama, especially without the running game, even less than what Tennessee had in the run game. So you're going to have to, as you mentioned, try to be more even in the box. Um, and Got to. Which I think we have the ability to because we have so much speed at linebacker and our D-line is so strong and they do pretty good with their gap integrity. It doesn't scare me as much as teams of the past, even less of the run game. The thing is, when you don't have a run game, like especially if Brian Robinson's out, it takes away the threat of that RPO even more. So it doesn't force you to have to come up into the box or force your linebackers up because the RPO is not as much of a threat as it is yeah, you're when not your run game is successful. Yeah. And I think that's going to be the biggest the biggest thing is what you're going to see. Like last year, Najee and people like that, their RPO was just so devastating because at any one time, Najee could take the ball to the house and himself. He was so explosive in the run game, made their passing game even more. So I think that without the threat of that, I mean, they'll have the threat, but it's nowhere going to be as strong as it was with Brian Robinson and people like that. You're going to have to stay, keep an even front and then keep the two safeties over the top and don't be stubborn like we were with Tennessee. Tennessee moved the ball to start the game and things like that, but you got to stay stubborn like we did and it ended up working out. I agree, man. I love that take. And, and I'll go back to what I said earlier about how this offense is built. It's, it's built around RPOs. Okay, that's the foundation. So first and foremost – they want to be able to do that, and we need to, first and foremost, be able to take that away and be able to do that at a too high. Okay, i got to stand that too high. I think that's critical in this game. 
Now, look, we can't just do one thing when trying to take away their RPOs, okay? Because <laughs> you, you can't become too predictable. They're too good. Their coaches are too good. They're too talented to become too predictable. Obviously, you can't, I'm not just sitting here and say, hey, this is the coverage you need to run. You can't run that all game. you got to mix it up. But what I would do is I would mix in a bunch of different variations of too high man coverage. A lot of two man, which is basically just it's very simple. It's two high safeties kind of like dividing the field into half of zone coverage. And then you've got everybody else underneath playing man coverage, right? Tight press man coverage. I, I we do that. We, we traditionally do that a lot. I expect to see a lot of that in this game to take away those RPOs. I'd also expect to see, and I, I think we need to run some uh, what we call one rat, uh, especially on early downs where they are RPO heavy. They're very RPO heavy on early downs. What, what I mean by one rat, uh, the rat is is just our code word for robber. Okay, so with one rat, you still have two safeties, but you use one of those safeties as the rat or the robber in the middle of the field to take away those crossers, those glance routes that they run that they love to run as RPOs. We've got to go with some quarters variations as well, uh, mix in some of that like, kind of that hybrid man or zone coverage, depending on on what Alabama is trying to do and how they structure things. And while I'll say this too, I, I mentioned earlier we need to get pressure on Bryce Young. I understand the need to get pressure on him. I really do. That's very important. You saw the impact that it had in that game uh, against Auburn in the Iron Bowl. But I strongly favor trying to do that by bringing four guys. I do not want to bring more than four guys all that often. And again, you can't do you can't only do one thing. You have to bring five guys, six guys occasionally. But more often than not, I think we need to try to pressure him with four rushers, okay? I mentioned this a little earlier. We are second in the SEC in sacks. We got 41 sacks in the year. Bama's number one, they got 43 because Will Anderson is freaking awesome. Bama, though, on the flip side, they allow the third most sacks in the conference. They've allowed 35 sacks this year. That is not a good matchup for them in this game. So with their, those issues they have on the right side of their offensive line, I think we can find ways to bring pressure packages that create those favorable one-on-one matchups on uh, like guys like right tackle Damian George, on Ekior at right guard, and Christian Dalcor, who's terrible at center, without bringing those extra bodies, without bringing five or six guys. And what why that's important, why I favor only bringing four guys, which is traditionally what we do anyway, that allows us to keep that too high safety shell, allows, which if we can do that, that allows us to kind of sit back with those guys back there in the back end, and we can, and our quarterbacks, our star defenders, our linebackers can play tighter man coverage because they are confident they have safety help over the top, which is allow those underneath defenders to play that tighter coverage, take more chances, potentially make more plays on the ball. I think that's really important here. And another thing, I'm going to throw this out here real quick, and we'll move on to the other side of the ball. I would really like to see us mirror Bryce Young. All right, spy Bryce Young. Curse, how do you feel about putting a guy on Bryce Young to kind of mirror him where he goes? Do you feel okay with that, taking a guy potentially out of coverage to do that? Is, that, is it that important to you? I think it is that important because we know what he can do by extending the play, and yeah. especially without a running back, or especially if Brian Robinson doesn't play, it's that much more important to stop him. I think you got to have a plan for it. You simply have to because he's just too devastating when he breaks the pocket like that. So one of the things we like to run a lot of, we have different variations of this, but one coverage we run a lot is, is all we have used in the past is Odd Mirror 5. We used this a lot against Alabama back in 2018, uh, and we, did, we, had, we had a lot of success with it until – we got late in that game, and of course Jalen Hurts comes in, and we had some blown assignments there, and just we were running it late in the game, and he just and we had some guys that just uh, didn't do what they were supposed to do, and it kind of messed everything up. But what Odd Mirror Five is? It's a four man rush, but that fourth rusher, which is usually a linebacker or it can be a defensive back, it just depends on who you want to use there. It's the, but that person, that fourth rusher, is a delayed blitzer, so they're basically spying the quarterback, or what in our system we call it mirroring the quarterback. And when the quarterback breaks the pocket, as soon as he does. 
then that fourth rusher, the linebacker DB, whoever it is that's mirroring him, is going to hug or trigger on the rush. They just trigger downhill immediately and just basically become the, the extra rusher, that fourth rusher. And what you do with the defensive end is like you crash inside with your with your edge rushers to try to force quarterback to break outside as opposed to have him kind of trying to escape up in the pocket. Because when you have these quarterbacks like Bryce Young, as fast and as, as, as athletic as he is, he's not as fast as Channing Tindall or Quay Walker or N'Kobe Dean. So you want you actually want him to break the pocket outside. That defense is designed to do that because you can you have those linebackers can use their speed to chase him down, force throwaways, or hopefully, even better, force an ill-advised pass. And that also allows you to kind of twist and stunt more up front, which their offensive line has had issues with without worrying about the quarterback escaping the pocket. Because if the quarterback does escape the pocket, he's accounted for. You kind of actually want him to do that when you're running odd mirror five. So that's another thing I like to see us do in this game. I think that would be a really effective way to kind of take away one of the things that makes Bryce Young so devastating as a downfield passer. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from lips and ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. All right, Curtis. While the matchup between the elite Bama offense and the elite Georgia defense might be the matchup that gets all the attention, I think the undercard matchup between the Georgia offense and the Alabama offense might sneakily play more of a role in ultimately deciding who wins this football game. And Curtis, the perception out there in some circles, at least among the naysayers, is that our offense is not good enough to put up enough points to win a game against another elite team that has an elite offense like Alabama's. Where do you fall right now on that idea entering the SEC championship game? I think our offense is good enough to hold us um, to win it for us. I agree with you. Uh, and I have some numbers to back this up. So I think, would you say, Curtis, most people agree that Alabama has an elite offense? Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's pretty much the narrative, right? And that's pretty commonly accepted that, yeah, Bama is really good on offense. Well, let's look at some of their numbers, right? <clears throat> some, some of these advanced stats. So in scoring offense, which is not really an advanced stat, it's a basic stat, but it's still relevant. They're fifth nationally. 42.7 points per game. Curtis, you know where we are in scoring offense? I do not. Wild guess here. We are sixth nationally. We are one spot behind Alabama. 40.7 points per game. We're only averaging two points less per game than Alabama. Yards per play. Alabama's 13th nationally. 6.64 yards per play. Georgia, third nationally. 7.06 yards per play. EPA pass and what EPA is, that's expected points added. And what that basically means is like, for each play based on down and distance, field position, et cetera, all those things, you look at like what is your expected points added there and you kind of contrast with the actual results of the play. Alabama's 18th nationally, which is really good. We're second nationally in EPA passing rating. Offense success rate, which is basically offensive efficiency, they're 27th, we're ninth. Total offense, which is a very basic stat that I think is really irrelevant these days because 
it doesn't really factor in like pace and all those things. Alabama just runs more plays than us. They run at a faster pace. It's that simple. But they're seventh nationally, 492 yards a game. We're 27th nationally, 442 yards a game. Passing offense, they're seventh with 341 yards a game. We're 59th, 240 yards a game. So I think the, the idea here, Curtis, is that people look at those last two categories, total offense, passing offense, which I think lack the context. They say, oh, yeah, Alabama is so much better than Georgia on offense. But in reality – that's that's really not the case. I mean, like this notion that our offense can't hang with the other elite offenses, it's completely fictitious. It's not based in reality because I just read you guys the numbers. If you think Alabama's offense is elite, sure, I, I agree with you. But if we're one spot behind them in scoring offense, we're 10 spots ahead of them in yards per play, we're, what, 16 spots ahead of them in offensive efficiency. If they're elite, which I agree with, aren't we also elite? But people all just, they just look at the numbers. Oh, well, George only puts up, you know, 442 yards a game, only 240 yards passing. They're just not dynamic like Alabama. But it's just not really backed up by facts. I mean, it's really, that notion is rooted in optics because they just look like they score a lot of points and throw the ball down the field, big explosive plays. It's based in that and also like just antiquated numbers like total offense and, and passing offense. And I, honestly, if you really look at it, our offense in every advanced efficiency and production metric, our offense is every, is every bit equal to, if not even superior to Alabama's offense. It's just structured differently. So I just wanted to address that here because I, I keep hearing this over and over. Well, can Georgia score enough? Can the Georgia offense keep up? Guys, the Georgia offense has been just as good, if not better, in basically every relevant statistical category all season long. Those are just facts. Those are just numbers. All right. Anyway, Curtis, off my soapbox here. Let's move on. I would ask you what your biggest concern is against this Alabama defense, but I mean, come on, man. Like we both know the answer to that question is Will Anderson. Like we know that he's leading the country in both sacks and tackles for loss. But let me ask you this, Curtis: What is it that makes Will Anderson so dominant and so disruptive out there on the field? Well, first you have to talk about his speed. Um, he's just explosive off the ball. Uh, I think that's number one, and I think number two, he just has great instincts. Um, if that's the one, if that's the one thing you watch more than anything is, yes, he's fast, explosive. Like you've seen other players like that, but he just has a knack for getting to the ball, and I think that's the thing you have to watch for the most is the way he's able to just read the situation and the you know the way he's being blocked and still find a way through. Well, he's able to get to the ball like that. Well, he's so long. He also, like Curtis, the motor this guy plays with is unbelievable, right? I mean, he just played like when you're that talented, you play that hard. You have you have Will Anderson. That's what you have. This guy is awesome. Like, I, I'm not going to try to downplay him at all. This guy is a disruptive force. He is a problem out there. Other than maybe the referees and having to play the 12th man out there, he's probably my biggest concern this entire game. Like, is that crazy? Like, it, does it, is this the guy that gives you the biggest concern all game? Um, I, I definitely have to agree with that because we know getting pressure can change the game. Absolutely. 100% it can. I think that's why Stetson might be important in this game, too, is his mobility. Hopefully he can evade some of that. But Will Anderson is going to make it very difficult. So, Kurt, knowing that this guy is the game wrecker like he is, what do you do to limit the impact a guy like that has on the game? Because I don't think you can stop a guy like this. He's just too good and plays too hard. But how can we maybe limit the impact he has on this game? I have two ways. First, we're going to have to go right at him. Um you're going to have to just use our size and strength against him and try to take away his ability to use his speed on the outside and create plays, especially in the run game. But he's um, so I think good that's to win the run, too. You, wanna, you really want to run right well, at but him? The th- but the thing is, the thing is, you got to beat him, though. 
Um, cause that, that's why number one and number two go together. Number two is you're going to have to make him run sideline to sideline. They don't have a lot of depth on the defense. Zero. And that's why we got to, we got to have to abuse him, beat him, hammer him, lean on him and make him run sideline to sideline. So that third and fourth quarter, he's wearing down and he's not, him wearing down is not a lot, but the fact is you have to wear him down. A thousand, a thousand percent agree. I actually have that in my notes here. I'm going to build off of that. Curtis, this guy, I mean, you have some friends at Alabama fans, right? And so, yeah, I know. Unfortunately, so I know they've made you sit down and watch some of these games. I know you've watched probably more Alabama than I than I certainly I have. Going back and try to watch all these games, um, but you've watched them all year long. I know that. Um, Will Anderson, Curtis, you can attest to this. He plays basically every snap, right? Yeah, I mean, he's the one guy. Him and Christian Harris, it feels like, are the only two that don't ever come out. They just don't come out at all. Like Anderson, I got a number for you. Will Anderson has totaled seven hundred and fifty snaps in the season. Let me let me get some perspective on that. Nolan Smith, who plays a lot for us, especially now without Anderson out, only has 487 snaps this year. Jordan Davis, 389. Devontae Wyatt, 338. Like half the snaps that Will Anderson has. And I, I know that he's really important. He's really good. But Curtis, you're exactly right. This is a guy that if we keep running at him and make him run, absolutely is going to wear down. I don't care how good he is. When you exert yourself like that, you're going to wear down late. So there's a couple of things we need to do here. I think, as you mentioned, make him run. I think screen game, work the perimeter in order to make him run because you're right, they don't have that depth. I also think quarterback run game here, Curtis, because if you have a guy that's as disruptive as Will Anderson, what's a way to kind of take him out of the game, at least more so than otherwise you would? You make him the read guy. Run simple zone read, Curtis, right? You option off of him. He's the option man. Or even then just use his aggressiveness against him. Oh, absolutely, because he's very aggressive. He crashes very, very hard. And I think we need to work some things into that, some counters into that. I think the court, like a simple zone reads can can do that. Maybe Brock Bowers end around, any of those kind of things, because he's like he plays really hard, but he is over aggressive at times. And if we don't make him respect someone coming around the backside and allow him to just crash like that, it's going to be very tough to run the football because he is that good chasing plays down from the backside. So I, I've been talking about this for a couple of weeks now. I think we need to lean fully into Stetson. I know that we don't want to hurt him because he's small, and I get that. But, man, this is the game, all right? If he gets banged up, we got a month to get ready for the next game. Run Stetson. I'm telling you, 10-plus times in this game. The guy knows how to get down. He's fine. We've got to make them respect the quarterback run game to stop that backside pursuit and open up the front side for our running backs. I think that's going to be critical, and that's a way you can kind of neutralize to a degree what Will Anderson brings to the table. All right, Curtis. So, like, we know we know Will Anderson's elite, and the numbers for the rest of the Bama defense suggest this unit as a whole is elite too. They're 11th nationally in defensive success rate. They're number seven in total defense, whatever that's worth. They're eighth nationally in yards per play. They're fourth nationally in rush defense, seventh in defensive efficiency. Only 42nd in pass defense, though. But Curtis, is this defense, this Alabama defense, are they as good as those numbers suggest they are? No, you've watched them a lot this year. Are they that good? It's hard to say yes because. You've seen teams gash in that shouldn't have, a la Arkansas and people like that. But then you also saw them play really well against Ole Miss. Um, um, so they are. But the thing about Alabama's defense is they are just so aggressive, incredibly aggressive. And sometimes that can be to their undoing, I believe. Yeah, I agree. I think look, They're really good. Those numbers aren't lying to you. They're really, really good, especially up front. They don't have a ton of depth up front, as we talked about, but they're really good. The, that, those frontline players are really good. It's going to be hard to run against them early in this game. I do think there are some vulnerabilities in the pass game, as evidenced by the 42nd ring rating and pass defense. Uh, and Jalen Armour Davis, one of their starting quarterbacks, might be out again, Curse, Are you hearing anything from, from your friends over there? 
Is he going to play this game? What's the word? Right now, you're not really hearing much. Uh, it's, it's very hush-hush. I mean, we all know how it is, especially with the way Kirby's just like Saban. But oh, the yeah. biggest thing is, is I would expect him to try to give it a go. Just like you're saying, and Brian Robinson's going to try to give it a go, even if he's not able to go. Um, I expect him to be out there, to be honest. Um, I don't know how much he goes or how long, or if he even gets out of um, pregame warm-ups, as you saw with DJ Dale when that happened to him. But I do expect to see him out there. What do you think about DJ Dale? you expect him to play in this game? I do expect him to play. Because um, the word was I'm he just, was close to being ready last week, but just couldn't quite give it a go. You got to think he's going to be ready this week. I would say he's ready to go. I just don't know what percentage. It's always the question. It's always the question. Look, if Jalen Armour Davis doesn't go, you got freshman Kool-Aid McKinstry out there, man. Like, if you're an Alabama fan, Kurt, like, do you feel good about having him out there in this game as a he true made freshman? A good- he made a good play against Auburn, but the fact is, anytime a freshman's out there, you are nervous. In that kind of game, I mean, you've got to be. You simply have to be. And I think I already think there were vulnerabilities in the passing game, even with Armour Davis in there. You throw in a true freshman, I think that's a problem for them. And, and we'll talk about this more in a few minutes. I think their safeties and linebackers can be exploited in pass coverage. I love our tight ends. I love our running backs on them in the passing game. And again, give you another advanced stat here to kind of back up. Like they're still good against the pass, like relative to most teams in the country. But they're only 37th nationally in EPA pass defense. That's fine. It's good. It's just not elite. And against the run, they are elite. They are. But pass game, there's been some vulnerabilities all year. You saw Arkansas, who's Curtis. Arkansas all year long has, except when they played Ole Miss, has struggled to throw the football. That's not what they do. But they were able to throw for 300-plus on this Alabama defense. And I think that we can have success like that. I know we don't have a guy, unless George Pickens is healthy, like Traylon Burks. He's that good. But we have a bunch of weapons on offense. I mean, heck, I might say Brock Bowers is that level good. I might say that. So I think this is something that that we can really exploit in this game. But all right, Kurt. Speaking of that, some of those matchups. Let, let's go there. What are the matchups against this Bama defense that you think our offense can exploit? I think linebackers. You know, I talked about it on Sunday. Um, I think the linebacker. I mean, our tight ends versus their linebackers and their um, guys in this. Nickel and um, the star position, I think it's going to be the biggest matchup. Um, I think that's going to be the different things because it's going to loosen stuff up on the guys outside. I totally agree. A um, couple, couple of reasons here. I agree with you in general that those guys aren't great in coverage. Their inside linebackers, Harris, Toto, they're, they're pretty good against the run. Oh, they, they miss some run fits at times. They've gotten better at that as the year has gone on. They struggled with that early in the season, but they've kind of got that straightened out. But the, the fact is they just they struggle in space in, in pass coverage. Think back to the Alabama game last year, Curtis, right, in Tuscaloosa, where we get James Cook, we motion him out of the backfield, we get him lined up on Christian Harris out wide. That touchdown was on Christian Harris, and he just burned it. All right. And we saw Arkansas do something very, very similar to him. That guy struggles one on one in space against running backs and tight ends. He's just not great in coverage, which is weird. He's a former safety. He's basically a converted safety, an athletic guy. He just struggles. And Toto might not struggle as much in coverage, but he's not great there as well. And I really, really think we can take advantage of them in coverage in the second half. Very similar to what we said about Will Anderson, Curtis. Let me give you some more snap totals here. Henry Toto. Has played 813 snaps this season. Christian Harris, the other inside linebacker, has played 779 snaps this season. Plus, they played basically five quarters of football last week against Auburn in the Iron Bowl. Compare that to our inside linebackers. Just give you a reference point here. Nicobe Dean, 547 snaps this year. Quay Walker, 586. Channing Tindall, 436. The fact is, these guys play every single snap. They play every single snap. 
And they're going to wear down the second half. And if you get our fresh running backs, the way we rotate guys in and out, and some of our fresh receivers on these guys, our tight ends, if we're able to do that in the second half, I think they're going to be a, a half a step slower, and that can be the difference. We can create big plays off of that. And then if it is Kool-Aid McKinstry at cornerback, I think attack him all day, run double moves on him, rub routes, throw everything at him that you would have a true freshman. Even if it's Armour Davis, do that too. I don't think he's particularly good. I really love or this A.D. Mitchell, even George Pickens who might be out there. I think actually might play a bigger role in this game than people are expecting. Throw those guys out there. I love that matchup. And Curtis, you mentioned running at Will Anderson. I don't hate that. I understand you want to tire him out. I, I agree with you there. What about Dallas Turner? I mean, you look at this guy, Curtis, young freshman, light, young, not as strong at the point of attack. Don't you think he's a guy that could be vulnerable to us running right at him as well? Oh, I do 100% because that's someone that you can use their aggressiveness against them because they're not as much trained for it. Yeah, jumping around blocks, that kind of thing. And again, the bottom line is he's just lighting the britches. He's just not as strong at the point of attack. I think you get – because he plays – he has to play a lot of snaps too now because they basically have him and Will Anderson. They don't have anybody else. Drew Sanders is trying to come back. He's got a, a broken hand, I think, but he hasn't really been playing. So he plays a ton of snaps. You get late in the second half, you can run right at him, and he's already light. He's already thin. He's going to have a tough time holding up. So that's something that I would certainly target as well. But all right, Curtis, let's go back to that UGA polo, those khakis, put them back on. And this time, I need you to channel your inner Todd Munkin. What is your game plan to attack this Alabama defense? More than anything, you got to have to get them in space. Um, I feel like Auburn, if they'd had a quarterback, could have exploited them even more. Um, but you're going to have to get them in space. You're going to have to spread them out. and But at the same time, you're going to have to stay balanced. I don't think you can get too any one-dimensional against Bama. Like you saw last year when we started passing really heavily in the second half, it just spiraled down. Yeah, they're um, number, one, they're number one in the conference in, in sacks, so that's going to be a tough call if we're just throwing every down. I think that we're going to have to be aggressive in the passing game and in the run game and be creative. Um, just like you said, using the um, quarterback run and things like that. Like We're going to have to do different things to open it all up. Yeah, I, I agree. I think I, I think you're right in that we cannot abandon the run. I will give I will certainly agree with you there. I think though in this game, we're going to need to be able to throw to win. Do you agree with that? Oh yeah, there's no resting on your laurels against this team. And I don't care how much you're up. Even if we get up, you have to keep bank, staying aggressive because it's just the history. I mean, they're one explosive play and get right back in the game. I mean, that's just the reality. Yeah. So, yeah, I, look, I think we're, we're going to be able to throw the ball to win this game. And I know me saying that, saying that Georgia and Stetson Bennett needs to throw the ball to win this game, I know that scares people. I know it scares a lot of you out there listening right now. But I believe that we can do it. Bama is really good up front, especially with those frontline guys. They're very good against the run. They're second nationally in EPA versus the rush. They're second nationally in yards per rush allowed, 2.42 guys. I, I, I know we don't want to admit this. Based on yards per rush, that efficiency rating there, Alabama is actually better than we are against the run. They're they're averaging 2.42 yards per run allowed. We're going to 2.49. So it's basically the same thing, but like they're right there with us. All right. So they are very good against the run. And the fact is, Curtis, you and I talked about this all year. Do we have the offensive line to just impose our will on a strong run defense like that? No, not at all. We don't, especially on the first half, especially on the first half. And look, you know that Bama, like they've watched us play. They're going to come out like everyone else that we played all year long absent of Clemson, I guess, and load the box with a bunch of bodies and dare us to beat them with Stetson's arm. They're going to do that. That's how they're going to open this game. I fully expect that. 
And I just don't think with our offensive line, which is it's a good line, they're just not physically dominant. We're not going to win just bashing our head against that Bama wall over and over and over again. We're going to have to be willing and able to throw to win in this game, more so than any other game this season. And here's where I think I, I diverge from, from other Georgia fans out there. I think we are equipped to do that. I know some people don't believe that we are with Stetson. I think that we are. Now, how do we do that? Let's get a little more specific here. I love the idea of 12 and 13 personnel in this game with one running back, two tight ends, one running back, three tight ends. That's what Bama did to us a lot last year. Kurt, you remember that, right? Oh, they went with the two tight end looks. It was torture. Yeah, it was very tough. What did we have to do? Well, we had to bring our base defense out there, heavier bodies to defend the run. Because when you have two tight ends, three tight ends out there, you have to defend the run. You have to assume that team's going to try to run the football. And by doing this, we can get their bigger bodies on the field, just like they were able to do against us last year. And if we can force them to go with their base defensive personnel, more big bodies out there, we're basically going to say, hey, I dare you to cover Brock Bowers. I dare you to cover Darnell Washington. I dare you to cover James Cook, Kenny McIntosh with those bigger bodies that are brought in to stop the run. Because if you don't bring those bodies in, we can run the ball on you with two tight ends, three tight ends on the field. Oh, and then there's this. You potentially throw in George Pickens in the equation out there as your single receiver. All right? We did that, Curtis. He played six snaps. Six snaps against Georgia Tech. More than half of them were in 13 personnel. And we have not, we've run a ton of 12 personnel, more than anybody in the country with two tight ends on the field. We haven't run as much 13 personnel with those three tight ends on the field. And to me, there's just no coincidence that when George Pickens was on the field, half the time he was out there, we were in 13 personnel. Because what that does, because he's going to be one-on-one. Whoever is that single receiver is going to have one-on-one coverage out there. They're, they're going to bring guys in the box when we have 13 uh, personnel out there on the field. We have three tight ends. You get George Pickens one-on-one on whoever the cornerback is out there, I, I like it, man. And that's why I think George Pickens is going to play more of a role in this game than I think a lot of fans might think based on the fact he only played six snaps against Tech. I think we're going to see more of George in this game. I really do. I could be wrong there, but that's just – that's my feeling here based off what I saw last week against Tech. But but you're right, Curtis. Like, you can't do anything exclusively in this game because, yes, Anderson, uh, Dallas Turner rushing the passer, they concern me. I think you have to throw a lot of screen game into the equation as well to slow down the pass rush. Like you said earlier, Kurt, make them run. I think we and we do this a lot already, but a lot of sprint action, boot action to get Stetson Bennett out of the pocket and also open up throwing lanes. Curtis, how many times they bat down Stetson passes last year in that game? A lot. A lot. Too many, right? And look, it hasn't been as much of a problem this year, but part of the reason it hasn't been as much of a problem is Todd Munkin's more familiar with who he has at quarterback, and we're doing things to create throwing windows for him, like getting him out of the pocket, sprint, boot, action. And I think we need to do a lot of that in this game as well. And then, as you said earlier, Curtis, of course, you can't just abandon the run. I think we're going to have to be able to throw the ball more than we have all year, but you can't just forget about the run. I don't think we're going to have a ton of success early in the game. If we do, great. I'll be pleasantly surprised. But I just don't think we're going to with how good they are up front, how how good they are against the run. But just because we don't have a lot of success early doesn't mean we need to just abandon it. We just need to stop doing it because the threat of the run game is just it's just too important to our offense and our pass game. Most of our pass game is built on play action. It's too important for us. And also, like we said earlier, continuing to pound away in the first half, it might not pay immediate dividends. 
but it's going to pay dividends later in the game with how many snaps, the sheer quantity of snaps that their best defenders in that front seven play. They're going to wear down. We just got to be in position to make it matter late in the game. And then once, if we can throw to get the lead, kind of finish them off, the kind of run, pound them into submission in the second half and, and just salt the game away and win this football game, Curtis. To me, that's the recipe for success to beat this Alabama defense. Now, it's obviously much easier said than done. Can we execute? Can we do it? Can we limit Will Anderson's impact? I don't know. But I think what we just laid out is kind of the way to go about doing that. All right, so that's the offensive. That's the, de- the defensive breakdown. Now, Curtis, let's come back here. Let's put it all together. Let's put the pieces of the puzzle together here. What are the biggest keys to a Georgia victory in the SEC championship game? Um, I think the biggest key to me is winning the turnover battle. Stealing from my notes again, man. I agree, though. But it, it, that's important in every game, right? Why is it more important in a game like this? Because if we play up to our standard, I don't know if their offense, like we talked about, if we make win the win the field position battle and we make their offense not give up the big plays and make them grind it out, then we may be in a better position so we can't give them short fields. Yeah, Chris, I agree, man. I, we just got to play a clean game. And I know that sounds so cliche and it's so simple. Like, come on, Tyler, isn't there more to it? Like, yeah, but like, no, also, like, th- this is that's so important this game because Curtis, I think you agree with me here. We're the better team, right? I, I'd say so. I mean, like, all year long, we've been better, right? Like, we've, we've played yeah. better. We've been a little bit more dominant. Bama's been awesome, but they've had some closer games where we haven't really had those games. I, I personally think we're the better team. I think we're the deeper team. I think we're the more talented team. Bama's obviously close in all regards. It's not a big gap, but I think that's the case. I think, honestly, for the first time in a matchup with Bama in the past decade plus, I think we can say with a straight face that we are the elite team and they are the borderline elite team. All right, that we're the more complete team and the other team with a few more holes. I think it's the first time we can say that in the Georgia match with Alabama in like a decade plus. But this is the thing that concerns me. The best team doesn't always win. The deepest team usually wins, doesn't always win. Most talented team usually wins, not always. How do teams like that lose games? How does the best team, the more talented team, the deeper team, how do they lose games? Well, it's simple. Those teams commit catastrophic turnovers that – I don't know, they set up easy scores for the opponent and or like they, maybe they kill your own scoring drives. Like you turn the ball over in the red zone, you take points off the board that you're about to score. You turn the ball over deep in your own territory. You set up easy scores. Then you give up special teams touchdowns. You just don't play a clean game. That's how teams that are pretty good are the better team. That's how you lose games to teams that you shouldn't lose to. That's how it happens. Now, we haven't done this all year. We haven't done it all year. We haven't stubbed our own toe all year long. But we cannot start doing it right now. We have to be the same Georgia team we've been all year. Because, of course, think about last year's game, man. Let's think about this, all right? We're up 24-20 at the half, right? Then Alabama scores early in the third quarter to get a 27-24 lead. But, hey, we're still right there. We're driving. We're driving on the Alabama 25-yard line. Then Stetson throws an interception. Then Bama turns right around the next drive, turns into a touchdown on the other end. And now, boom, it's a two-score game. They're up by 10. Then on the very next possession – Stetson throws another interception that Bama also turns into a touchdown to go up an insurmountable 17 points early in the fourth quarter. Turnovers changed that game. It was turnovers that lost us that game. We did not play clean. We simply can't do that in this. Because I will say, Curtis, Alabama, I know I keep hearing what this, it's concerning me, Curtis. I mean, it, maybe it doesn't matter what people say. It doesn't matter what people say. But Curtis, I, I don't know. If, like, do you agree with me? I keep hearing over and over this week, 
that Bama just can't beat Georgia. Have you heard that, Curse? This idea that, that Georgia's just gonna it's just gonna beat Bama. It's like a foregone conclusion. By some, yes, but not. Yeah, I keep listening. Like, every some, podcast I'm listening to, all these radio shows I'm listening to, all these things I'm reading, and like message boards, you know, take it with a grain of salt. Everyone's just like, ah, oh, Georgia's gonna win. Like, hey, you know, Bama. I don't think the, the, the common refrain is, I don't think that Alabama can beat Georgia. I, I absolutely think Alabama can beat Georgia. Are you kidding me? Yes, I think we're the better team, but this idea that that we can't lose, and I know that's only in, in some circles. It's not everyone. And I know some of you out there are like, man, I, I'm freaking out. I'm already concerned about this game. But Alabama is absolutely good enough to beat us, especially if we don't play a clean game. I think we're better, but the gap is not so wide that we can afford to turn the ball over three, four times and still win a football game. All right? It, it's not. It's not like that. Alabama is absolutely capable of beating us if we do stupid things like let's say if we Nebraska it up and commit catastrophic turnovers, of course Alabama can do that. Of course they can. And I say one more thing here, one more key for me. We've talked about this already many times in this episode. We cannot give up explosive plays. I simply cannot reiterate that enough. That is what the Alabama offense wants to do. We have to force them to paper cut their way down the field, grind it out. I without, If they don't have Brian Robinson, we'll see, but they don't have him. As we said earlier, I just don't think they can do it consistently enough to put up enough points to beat us. I just don't think they can. They're going to try to rely on explosive plays in this game, and that's what their offense is built to do. We have to keep them from doing that. And that like We talk about making teams play left-handed. That is making Alabama play left-handed. You cannot give up the explosive plays. So just I'll put that out there too. All right, Curtis. I'll, I'll get you out of here on this, man. I know you got to go. I'm going to make my pick later this week on our picks episode, but I am not letting you get out of here today without giving us your pick, man. So, Curtis, very simply, my friend, who you got, score and all, dogs are tied. Um, I'm I'm unfortunately going to go with Alabama, and I think I'm going to do are you a kidding me? 35, 35-31 game. 35-31. All right. All right, make me understand, man. How's that been winning this game? My biggest thing comes down to the fact is you talk, we talked about the turnover battle and the catastrophic issues and all those different things. And my thing is until we get over the hump with Bama, I don't know. It's not, it's one of those things that I won't believe until it's over because of the mental thing. And that's why I'm afraid of making these mental mistakes and things that Bama somehow seems to always make us do And until we prove that we can do it mentally. Cause I think we have the better team. Yes. But until we do it mentally and actually do it and sh- prove it to ourselves, then I'll believe it. Okay, I understand that mindset. Like the see it when I believe. It, I mean, I've been I, I there can't lie. I still have the months, the months and months in me. All you have old Georgia syndrome. It's okay. Yeah. I, I, I'm I'm still in recovery from that too. But Curtis, like we've been saying all year, this is a different Georgia team. This is not the 2017, 2018 Georgia. This is a different group of guys. Like, do you not put some stock in that? I do, but once again, it's not only the players, but the coaches, too, because sometimes the coaches can lose your game just as quick. Fair. I mean, it's not an outrageous pick. Like I said, I, I, I think Alabama absolutely can win this game. I'm, good. I'm saving my pick for, for later on this week. All right, Curtis, we, I, I, can't believe, I can't believe you just put Alabama out here on the show. All right, so here's Curtis. This is what we got to do. All right, if you get this game wrong, if George ends up winning this game. And, and God, gosh, I really hope I do get it wrong. And I know that you do. I, I know that you're. I know that you're a diehard Georgia guy, and I know that that's where your heart is. I know you're just trying to be honest here and and give your actual thoughts. And I get that, and I respect it. I respect it. But there's got to be some sort of punishment if you get this wrong, right? That's fine with me. It's all preserved. right. So, 
Do we need to put this to the listeners? I, I believe that they're the best to decide. Okay. All right. Going to put it in the hands of our faithful listeners. All right. You guys out there, if if you're upset with Curtis for picking the tide here, 35 31, that's what you said, right? 35 31. You guys hit us up on yep. Twitter at glory underscore UGA. Hit us up on Instagram, just glory UGA podcast on Instagram. Let us know. Come up with some creative sort of punishment. Nothing too crazy, right? It's got to be appropriate. We don't want to go too far overboard here. But something, we'll, we'll pick something. I'll pick it out. How about that, Curtis? I can't let you do it. I'll be the, I'll be the decider. Does that sound good? That's fair. All right. So, listeners, come up with something that Curtis has got to do here. Are you in agreement? Yeah. I promise I won't make it too bad. I promise I won't make it too bad. All right. You heard it here. Come up with something. Because when Georgia wins, we got to have Curtis do something crazy. I can't believe you, man. All right, well, fair enough. I respect it. I do respect the honesty. I respect that. But all right, guys, that does it for us today here on the Glory UGA Podcast. I will be back later on this week with our Picks of the Week episode, and that's where I will make my final pick. I'm not going to spoil it here. We'll have to set the wait. Just come back later on. But thank you guys for listening. We try to give you as detailed, as in-depth a preview of this game as you're going to find anywhere out there. So thank you for listening. For Curtis, I'm Tyler. And as always, go dogs.